The Pace Line Podcast is sponsored by Health IQ, an insurance company that helps health conscious people get special life insurance rates. Go to healthiq.com forward slash paceline to support the show and learn more. And the Pace Line is supported by LAL Cycling. The coast is calling. LAL Shore Collection embodies the spirit and style of the California coast. All LAL products are crafted right here in Southern California for shipment worldwide. Now on to the show. Hey, Pace Liners, if you've been counting, you know this is show 100. And if you've been paying attention, you know we could care less. No, really, we're proud of this milestone, and we thank you for coming along. So for show 100, we reflect a little, then it's Fatty, Patrick, and me. Three topics, three picks, and this guy. Almost always in L.A., if somebody does something douchebaggy to me, I'm going to catch up to them in a light in like a minute. And I love to just have them roll down the window and be like, hi, my name's Peter Flax. Here's pictures of my 10-year-old and my 12-year-old. Like, I'm a white-collar dude biking home from work to see my family. Do you realize that you almost killed me a minute ago? The Paceline, the podcast on two wheels. Patrick Hottie and Fatty bringing you the official podcast of redkiteprayer.com. You can find us on RKP as well as anywhere else you listen to podcasts. And if by chance you're using Apple Podcasts, take a moment to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. Bonus seconds awarded if you leave a review. We have a three-man, three-pole group ride today with a three-pick sprint to the city limit sign. Hottie, contributor to RKP and the single best voice in cycling. How are you doing? Oh, Fatty, awesome to be back uh, with you and Patrick again for another edition. A big number for us, too, today. It is. It's a big number. We'll be talking about that in just a second. What have you got for us for your poll on the pace line? Yeah, bike burnout. Have you had it? How do you prevent it? And how do you get over it? Bike burnout. Ooh, a serious topic for serious podcast. Patrick, publisher of RKP, what's going on? What do you got for us? Cycling vacations. What do you look for in a cycling vacation? And if you were to stay at a hotel or resort that claims to be cycling friendly, what sort of amenities do you look for? Back rubs. Constantly. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, I'm Fatty, and I'll be talking about close call confrontations Suppose you just got nearly creamed by a car. Now you're looking at each other at the next stoplight. What happens next? But first, guys, we need to take a moment to celebrate the fact that we are recording episode number 100. I think we should talk about this incredible accomplishment. But in order to avoid getting maudlin, I'm going to restrict our 100th episode retrospective to 100 seconds, plus or minus 100. Hmm. <laughs> Let's start the clock. I'm going to start. Tick tock. Tick tock. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> With three tandem episodes included, this is actually 103rd pace line episodes, mm-hmm. which is the number of miles in the Leadville 100, mm-hmm. which we have mentioned in not quite, but almost every single episode although not on purpose. And this weirdly has made us one of the top hits if you search for Leadville in podcasts. Is it a coincidence that we are at our 100th episode and I am mentioning Leadville once again? 
Probably not. Patrick, Ooh. how about you? I like any episode where we laugh. Uh, I, I like when we are jovial. Um, you know, even if I was the one laughing when I hear it in playback, uh, it makes me smile. And Ep- I, I like the upbeatness of that. Episode number 61, in that case, uh, one of our shortest episodes is one that you ought to go back and listen to. I think you laugh in that one for around 30 uninterrupted seconds after I mentioned that the name of uh, the team I was putting together was the Young and the Restless Leg Syndrome. (laughs) 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 Well, it still tickles me. There you go. It's it's good. Our longest episode, I will say, was an hour and 40-something minutes long. Uh, that's a feature movie, guys. Mm-hmm. Hottie. Yes. What do you, what do you got? What, what is your hundredth episode memory? Well, a couple of things. First, I, I've really enjoyed uh, the pace line picks and I have to thank the, the listeners of the show for putting up with my extremely long narratives. Uh, one in particular mm-hmm. I really enjoyed was, uh, and it was a little wacky. I get it. I, my pace line pick was my blender and I actually made a smoothie and recorded the whole thing for you. <laughs> Uh, on a, I remember that. Yeah, on a serious <laughs> it, side. It made uh, me salivate. Yeah, Chris Cornell was another pace line pick of mine. Um, he's a lead singer of Soundgarden, committed suicide, but he was a mountain biker for a short time. And at the end, I, f- I found the just the voice track of Cornell singing Black Hole Sun. And it was, it was chilling, absolutely chilling to listen to that. Really had nothing to do with cycling, but, you know, we I think we made some points about finding your way, making sure you stick with something solid so you, in case things get wobbling on you, you've always got something to lean on. And for us, I think that's obviously riding bikes and talking about bikes. Um, so, again, thanks to the listeners for putting up with my wacky narratives and my wacky openings to, to the pace line. They're a lot of fun, <laughs> and I appreciate everyone giving me some little leeway there. I think that the... Uh, your paceline picks have been the one of the best ongoing segments of this little rolling party we've got here. We need to make sure that those don't go away. Um, we're tightening the show up a little bit. Uh, we're calling it the three pull, three pick uh, format. However, uh, we're going to make time whenever Hottie has a little narrative that he wants to give us. So it ain't going to change that much. So with all that said, we're going to say that's about 100 seconds. Let's get on to the main show. Hottie, you've got the first pull. Yeah, I did the Bonk Breaker Tranquillo Ride over the weekend, guys. It's a great gravel event put on by the good folks at the small but focused nutrition company, Bonk Breaker. As we rolled along PCH on this ride, headed for the first dirt section, I was riding next to teammate Dave Yeager. Dave and I are roughly the same age, but Dave's been riding much longer. I asked him, Dave, how long have you been a serious rider? He said, Hottie, without exaggerating, I say since I was 12 years old, I've been riding seriously. We're talking over 40 <laughs> years. This is a guy as a 17-year-old who rode across the country. His days growing up in Ventura were spent making crazy loops into the Ventura foothills and Santa Monica Mountains. As an adult, he kept riding and training and racing. He's been a state champ, and I've been lucky enough to be on the podium with him at the state championships. Annually, he puts on a ride for friends that is also the ride that spawned the Belgian Waffle Ride. His mantra, and everyone knows it, I love to ride my bike. I'll get back to Dave in a minute. Many of you know I came to cycling from golf. Like Dave in cycling, I started playing golf at a young age. I think it was 10. 
I took lessons, hit buckets and buckets of balls at the range, played in junior golf tournaments, and even caddied. As an adult, I kept practicing and playing, got down to a two handicap. I watched every tournament on TV, went to all the local pro tournaments. Of course, there was gear. I had three of everything, putter, driver, wedge, irons. I even worked on my own clubs. Then I really took it too far. I started writing about golf for a local publication, and with that publisher, launched and hosted a golf radio show. This is before podcasts, so kind of a similar (laughs) track working here, I think, right? When people ask why I gave up golf, I tell them it was the waiting. Too much waiting for a tee time, waiting to tee off, waiting on your partner to hit their shot, waiting for a hot dog at the snack shack. Yeah, there's a lot of waiting in golf, but if I was really honest about what happened, I'd have to admit I overdid it. All that stuff, the lessons, the practice balls, the rounds, the tourneys, the clubs, the golf show, and the waiting. I really just burned out on the sport. I don't want the same thing to happen with the bike. So I asked Dave, how has he prevented bike burnout? He told me, while the bike is important, it's never number one. Family, work, church, that stuff takes priority. Yes, he does set goals for the bike and he trains for them. But if any of life's other things come up, a kid's soccer game, wife has a birthday, workload gets heavy, he takes care of those things first and then gets back to riding. So, guys, my question is, have you ever burned out on the bike and what did you do to overcome it? And if you've not, how, how do you prevent bike burnout? Fatty, you're, you're Mr. Obsession. We know that about you. Tell us. <laughs> you ever burned out? And how do you keep from or or how do you keep from burning out on the bike? All right. I uh, I can say honestly that I have never been burned out on biking. Um, and my my way to avoid that is really, really simple. Um, I've never been committed to one kind of riding. Um, there are various years where I like road better. There are various years when I like mountain bike better. Um, last year was definitely a road year for me. That had a lot to do with my new uh, my new road bike with the with the disc brakes and the wider tires. It was sort of a rediscovery uh, this year. Kind of feeling like uh, my goals are putting me t- more toward mountain bike. But when I get tired of one kind of riding, I find that I'm amazed and astonished all over again by a different kind of riding. So I switch from road to mountain. It's that simple. And I know that there's a lot of other kinds there that I haven't even explored yet. I've I've never truly gotten into cross. I've never gotten into fat biking. I've never gotten into uh, track, something that has really held my, you know, has kind of niggled at the back of my mind forever. Uh, so there is a lot of pedal turning that I've never even gotten to that I would love to try. Mm-hmm. So long. that's a long way around to the I don't get burned out because there is a lot that I am still really novice at and have a lot to learn. Yeah, your answer reminds me of uh, a guy, Keith Ketterer, a local hero around here, great rider, and he told me the same thing. He says, Michael, the way I've kept cycling fresh over the years is I started in BMX and went to mountain biking, then went to mm-hmm. road, and now I ride the track all the time. And he's just kind of keep rolling things over to keep things fresh. But you can kind of see my fear factor here is my track in cycling is similar to my track in golf in that in golf I did it all, including 
stuff away from the golf course, the writing, yeah. the broadcasting, and cycling. I'm kind of doing the same thing. I ride, I've raced, I do. Now I'm, I'm writing about cycling. I do this podcast. It seems to be a bit much. So, Patrick, I mean, you, you have obviously spent a lifetime in this. It is, it consumes you five different ways. You've been a journalist, you've been a writer, racer, all of that. What what has kept you going? Have you burned out on the bike? If not, how do you prevent it? You know, I mean, it's strange because, yeah, if if ever there was somebody who should have burned out by now, I think I'm probably that guy. Uh, you know, I, I got into cycling in the late 1980s, uh, you know, as a result of Greg Lamont's win uh, at the Tour in 86. Uh, that's what sparked me getting my first good road bike. But, you know, since then, uh, I don't even know how to put it. Just the, the sport fascinates me. I've often joked with uh, one of our other RKP contributors, Robot, that cycling isn't one activity. You know, it's not one hobby. It's four or five of them. Because you've got, you know, riding the bike and then you've got, you know, appreciating the bike for what it is. And then there's the activity of actually working on the bike if you do that. And so it's a bunch of different things for me. I think one of the biggest, most important aspects of all of this for me is that I would probably need heavy antidepressants were it not for the bike. So a big piece of riding for me is just sanity. And I come back from a ride a happier, healthier better adjusted person. The closest I ever came to burnout was after I had made the decision to move to Sonoma County from uh, Southern California. And in that span where we were waiting for my wife to find a job up here, uh, my heart was already in Sonoma County, but my body was in Southern California. And in a certain sort of way, I burned out on riding in Southern California. I was having to do different stuff. This was partly also because I'd had a bad crash and I just needed to do some different things because riding in packs was a little nervous for me for a while. And so I was doing solo rides up into downtown and looking at all the public art, things like that. Uh, I started doing a lot more mountain biking during that period of time. Hmm. But other than that, nope, not burned out. Mm -hmm. And every now and then I wake up in the morning and I think... Shouldn't I be worried about that? <laughs> so back to back to you, Hottie. What's your answer to your own question? How do you keep from burning out? Or are you are you confessing to us that you are in fact kind of burned out on biking right now? No, yeah. I, I'm only concerned. I'm just trying to prevent. I'm trying to make sure I do the right thing here because I want it to be. I want cycling to remain in my life until I can't swing a leg over a top tube yeah. anymore. Right. So one of the problems is, and, and people may think, Hottie, this is no problem, is Southern California. As, as Patrick knows, the weather here allows for cycling 12 months a year. You are not forced off the bike here. You can just keep riding and riding. I mean, of the 365 days out of the year, you could probably ride 350 of them. I mean, it's, yeah. in, in, you know, there, there are maybe 15 days a year where it's raining so hard, you probably wouldn't want to be out there. And even then you could probably ride in it. So that's one of the issues. You got to find a way in SoCal to walk away from the obvious choice, which is the bike. The other thing is I've tried, I'm, you know, I have other things too. I love baseball and I, and I make sure that I spend time uh, looking at reading about that game and watching it on TV, even in the off season. I love the game very much. 
And I've taken up running now, too, which is a nice diversion. It gives me something else to do, get away from the bike. I have noticed that my mileage has dropped off, Fatty, which I guess is a little mm-hmm. concern. I'm like, I'm not as obsessed about riding those great distances anymore like I used to be. And I don't know if that's a sign that I'm just smarter or that maybe I'm starting to wane off the bike a little bit. So I think I'm kind of in a in a interesting area right now where, you know, I've got a path to choose. And I just got to make sure that I set the right things up so I can keep cycling moving forward in my life, which I want to do. Well, I'd, yeah, I'd say you're being smart. I, if, uh, I, I have something kind of similar going on. My mileage is way down from this time last year. My weight is higher than it was this time last year. My power is down considerably like about 10% from last year. And you know what? I don't care. I am, you know, this year, I don't have an objective to finish Leadville in a certain amount of time. I just want to finish. Uh, I am doing the Breck Epic. I care about it. I'm going to be fit enough to ride and enjoy it. But that's my sole objective. This year, my objective is straight up about fun. You know, we don't have to be our fittest every year. Sometimes the objective has to be something simpler, perhaps a little bit more pure to have a good time. And that's where I am this year. I say, keep your objectives mixed up. Sometimes be your fastest, sometimes be your simplest. Sometimes think I'm in a commute all the time. What you're going to do ought to change. And that's what keeps it fresh. Yeah. Hottie, I mean, have you injected, aside from mileage being down, have you injected anything different into your cycling life of late? Um, well, I mean, I guess the newest thing would be adventure gravel riding and new bikes, so different bikes, but nothing like I haven't taken, I haven't started looking at BMX bikes and going, boy, maybe I should try or trial bikes, you know, maybe I should try mm-hmm. that. That mm-hmm. hasn't, you know, I haven't, I haven't pondered that yet. And I've tried stuff like the track too, and it never really appealed to me. So, um, but not, I guess, um, you know, the thing there, there are rides and events that, that I haven't done that I'm still like, I've never done the Solvang Century, Patrick. I know you've done that ride. Great ride. So I've got things yep. on my list I'm st- I still want to do. Yep. Well, this might and, be a good year to, to branch out and do some of those things that you've never done. Or do old things in a new way, yeah. right? Yeah. So there you go. I think we've solved your problem. Thank you. <laughs> or your potential problem. I don't know. Maybe not. I tell you what, that was a good poll. And now it is going to be my turn for a, a little poll. I got, guys, I recently had this really interesting conversation with Peter Flax. He used to be the editor-in-chief of Bicycling Magazine and is now editor-in-chief at Red Bulletin Magazine. The entire conversation he and I have is worth listening to. And luckily for listeners here, the Paceline Tandem number four will be coming out this Tuesday. It'll be in your regular Paceline feed, so just check it out and be on the lookout for that. It's under an hour long, and I guarantee it is good stuff. Now, in this conversation, Peter and I uh, talk about all kinds of great stuff. Um, He is writing amazing things from Phil Guyman's satire to why he feels like he perfectly nailed cycling in 2017 to the craziest doping story you will have ever heard. We talk about all that in in this upcoming Paceline Tandem. But the thing he's most passionate about right now is bicycle commuting and advocacy. He rides his bike to and home from work every 
uh, in L.A. like you do, uh, Hadi, and it, this puts him on the bike for about two and a half hours. He's had a lot of close calls. Here's a clip from our conversation, which I should be clear has some not safer work language. I, I certainly have like lots of conversations with people who drive cars. I'm really not a, a yeller. I'm, I don't like banging on the sides of people's cars, but almost always in LA, if somebody does something douchebaggy to me, I'm going to catch up to them in a light in like a minute. Like driving in LA um, is not, is yeah, all the time people do stuff to me in cars and then I just catch up to them a minute later. And I love to just have them roll down the window and be like, hi, my name is Peter Flax. Like, here's my phone. Here's pictures of my 10-year-old and my 12-year-old. Like, I'm a white-collar dude biking home from work to see my family. Do you realize that you almost killed me a minute ago, that you were like, that you were looking at Instagram while you were driving down the street at 20 miles an hour and your car swerved wide and you almost hit me. And, and, and to just try and have like a moment of communication with these people and, um, and see where that, you know, where that goes. It's like a, a lot of it's spitting into the wind, but, um, you know, I talk to people all the time. Yeah, I'm interested in the spectrum of responses it's, it's that you're full, getting. It's Certainly a full spectrum. Let's just put it that way. Like I definitely, <laughs> um, you know, have everything from tearful apologies to people just telling me to fuck off. It's like every everything. Yeah. So that's Peter Flax and just a minute from a near hour of very intense conversation that he and I had. Good stuff. Guys, I think that every committed cyclist has had multiple close calls with cars, and most of us have then wound up at some point at a stoplight or stop sign or otherwise close to the person who nearly hit us. So my question, what have you done when that's happened to you? Hadi? Hmm. Yeah, you'd think I'd have a, a definite answer as to what do I, what, you know. <laughs> Because like Peter, I ride to work. I rode to work today to right into mm -hmm. the center of Los Angeles and back. Um, now, half of my riding is done in the cover of darkness. I mean, it's four in the morning, so there's not a lot of arguments out there at four in the morning. Maybe the occasional a homeless guy. This morning, there was a homeless guy walking across Venice Boulevard with a mattress in his hand. That was fine. I mean, he didn't cut me off. <laughs> oh, that's good with that. It's okay. That's high viz. But... You know, coming home, there were some, um, there were some less than, and we have a three foot law here in California, and there were some less than three feet passages by mm -hmm. motorists. And it just all depends. You know, if I think somebody does something because I'm a cyclist, then like Peter, I'm going to let them have it. If I think somebody's made an honest mistake, and that may even just be some distracted driving temporarily, if they acknowledge, look over at least, and say, hey, look, I'm sorry, then I'm good. I, I, I let it go. The one area I have a real issue with in this town in particular is the lack of the use of the directional, the turn signal. If folks would just let that turn signal fly, let me know what you're going to do. I'm going to be a happy guy, and you're going to be too, because I'm not going to be waving a fist at you. So <laughs> uh, it just it varies, Fatty. I try to size up each moment, each driver, and not treat them all the same. I know that you know people have anyone can make a mistake behind the wheel or even on the bike. I make mistakes on the bike too. So it's in, it's imperfect. Um, we're at a disadvantage. Yeah. Cause we can get run down by a hunk of steel. Um, uh, but still yeah. you try to be diplomatic out there as best you can. Yep. How about you, Patrick? You know, I think often actually my best moments are the ones where 
I take a deep breath. I bite my tongue, literally, <laughs> and I just let the car roll away. Uh, there have been an awful lot of occasions where I've done just like Peter and rolled up, and I've tried to do the constructive thing of saying, hi there, my name's Patrick. I'm a resident here. I have two kids. They're eight and four, and I'm on my way home, and I'd like to play with them tonight. I'd like to continue to be their father. Could you maybe be a little more careful when you pass a cyclist? Um, and good Lord, the number of times that goes completely sideways and they're telling me, you know, you can, you can, you know, eat whatever and die. Um, and I'll admit it. I don't react well to that. And the things that come out of my mouth are no more pleasant than what they say. So because I can respond in kind so quickly, I know that my best moments are the ones where I just take a deep breath and keep on with my day um, and just mutter under my breath. So I, I have what may be the most illuminating near-miss story of all time. It didn't happen to me. It happened to someone I know, a, a woman writer who got buzzed by someone with a pickup truck, someone buzzed by, almost uh, clipped her with his uh, pa uh, passenger side uh, mirror. She looks up, is yelling, and realizes that her husband had just about killed her. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Um, yeah, so th there, was, there was obviously a conversation that happened in the house that day. The reason I say that's the most illuminating of all time is I think any driver who ever almost whacked someone, if they consider the possibility that something like that, you know, that the, whoever they almost hit is somebody's husband, is somebody's wife, is somebody's child, is somebody's whatever, they might stop and think about that for a second. I guarantee you. That this kind of rednecky, kind of uh, bike-hating guy who happened to have a wife who was a triathlete, I bet he was a little more careful and a little bit less uh, aggro in his driving. Um, that said, um, my second most illuminating uh, incident on a bike getting hit uh, w I was I got right hooked, uh, meaning someone passed me turned right immediately in front of me into a parking lot, a church parking lot. Of course. I got, I got up and ran because I, I, I was so, you know, so angry and full of adrenaline to chase that person down as they were, as they pulled into their parking space and ran literally into the church. I wasn't able to find that person. However, I did have a blog that was pretty well known and wrote about the incident, including the uh, including the address. And in the comment section that day, the pastor uh, sent me a very nice apology. So, the, you know, the, <laughs> from time to time, having having a well-known blog can be a solution. Wait, was it the pastor who cut you off? No, no, no okay. it was not the pastor. He was apologizing on behalf of one of the people okay. who goes to his church. Just want to make that clear. But that person was aware that they hit you and ran into the church to escape you? Yes. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it was it was quite a moment. Um so, you know, things like things like that will happen. And 
I, I will also say that I have once been clipped by a teenage driver um, who turned just a little bit too tightly, pulled over immediately, and I, as I picked myself up, was crying with a, a apology and just embarrassment. She was a little bit new to driving, and I couldn't even bring myself to uh, to raise my voice. Um, my knee was pretty scraped up. I was a little bit hurt, and I pretended not to be just because I figured you know, whatever was going on in her head was worse than anything I had to say. She was so, already traumatized yeah. enough. Oh, oh, yeah. So It's and, funny how contrition will completely neutralize all the ugly feelings that we might get otherwise. It does. <laughs> it does make a difference. If someone really feels bad about a mistake that they made, I don't know very many cyclists who are going to stay angry for very long. All right, one last uh, one last reminder on check, uh, for our listeners. Check out Paceline Tandem number four coming up this Tuesday. It's with Peter Flax. It's worth listening. When we come back, Patrick talks to us about the ultimate cycling vacations, and then Paceline picks. You come through this town thinking you're fucking really cool on your bike, like you own this lane. Look at the bike lane is on this it's side. It's called Shero. It's right in the middle of the street. Shero. I get Shero. I get but that you entire came lane. around me like this. Chances are, if you're listening to this, you're a cyclist. And because you're a cyclist, you can save up to 25.5% on your life insurance by purchasing it through Health IQ. In addition to all the usual information you give for insurance, such as age, gender, height, weight, and nicotine use, the amount of riding you do each week is considered, and you can take quizzes that may reduce your payments further. It turns out that knowing what it takes to be fit has its own value. Health IQ knows that people who ride have an 18% lower risk of heart disease, a 28% lower risk of overall mortality, and a 45% lower risk of cancer. So drop by healthiq.com forward slash paceline podcast to get your free no obligation quote. The Paceline is back. Hottie and I have taken our polls, and now it's Patrick's turn. So, guys, last week I had the opportunity to visit a brand new cycling-oriented motel. Yes, motel, not hotel. In its former life, it was one of those motor court-type places that was eventually so run down, it became an hourly no-tell motel. Hmm. But it got a serious rehab, and it's been dubbed the Astro. Among its investors is 1988 Giro d'Italia winner Andy Hampston. The Astro, which shares its name with the Jetsons' dog, is a testament to mid-century modern design. From the solar system-shaped lighting fixtures to the fiberglass Eames chairs, this place is as cool as an episode of Mad Men, but without all the dysfunction. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One of the things they did at the Astro was to take two of the rooms downstairs and convert them into a lounge a third of which is a fully equipped bike repair station. I mean, right down to cone wrenches and a truing stand, it is everything you need to tend to your baby while you're away from home. 
There's also a bike storage area that is covered and locked so you don't have to take your bike into your room. The question I have for you guys is when you're on vacation and cycling is the focal point, what do you want to see from a hotel or motel to sway you to stay there? Does a a repair station make a difference? What about secure bike storage? I mean, Fatty, you get away from home a bunch with bikes, so I'm really curious to hear what you have to say. Secure bike storage makes a big difference. Um, it if you don't have that, and you know, I, I do most of my uh, my bike traveling in a truck with a with a rack, and I can put on any number of cables. But as I'm doing so, it's always with the full understanding that this is just to stop casual bike thieves, so that a committed bike uh, a bike thief could get past any measure that I have as long as the bike is outside. Having a bike locked up in a room is a big difference. Um, so, you know, bike storage, yes, that's huge. The second thing that I that matters to me is actually surprisingly small. Um, I love having a fridge and a microwave in mm-hmm. hotel rooms that I stay in. Um getting have being able if you know that you're going to be on a long hot ride the next day being able to put your uh, full camel back bladder in the fridge overnight or making you know whatever energy drink mix you're going to have for the following day having it in the fridge overnight having food sandwiches what have you in the fridge really nice being able to warm something up in the morning when you wake up if you are getting out the door at 5 a.m makes a difference and finally a decent coffee machine uh that doesn't seem like a lot to ask but i i'm sure you guys have tried making the coffee in the little coffee pots in uh in any hotel room it's really rare that it is any good a decent it is not a hard thing to have decent coffee in the hotel room lobby. Do that and you've got me forever. Well, that is one of the things that the Astro offers. In the lounge, they've got, uh, I think it was at least two different kinds of coffee that they brew up in the morning. And they had pastries too. So as I was Ah. swapping out tires on one of my bikes, uh, I was also munching on a muffin. Yeah. Um, A good good hotel uh, breakfast is a great thing as well, where if they have some kind of eggs or bacon or, you know, any anything, you know, fat and protein in addition to the Costco muffins that everyone seems to have, you know, that, yeah, that makes, that makes a big difference because a lot of the times I am starting early and I don't have time to go, you know, out to eat breakfast. Having something in hotel, it helps. Yeah, very good. Okay. Hottie, what about you? Um, I've only stayed in what I would think is one cycling-centric hotel, and that was in France. And I believe, Patrick, you directed me there. Hotel Oberland in Borg de Wisson, which is at the foot of Alpe d'Huez. It's pretty cool. Um, They've got all the great – they feed you breakfast and dinner there, and they are big alpine meals. Good stuff. Good food. The rooms are very modest. I mean, they're really set up for skiers staying at the ba- staying at the bottom of the hill who want to go up to Alpe d'Huez and ski. So it's real basic stuff. 
Um, in fact, I remember we went out one day and came back and they'd moved our stuff to another room. It's kind of a strange place that way. But downstairs, it was great. <laughs> the atmosphere was a lot of fun. It was great to be in the Alps. Another place I checked out, didn't stay there, was a Bespoke Inn in Scottsdale, Arizona, run by uh, Rob Tayton. Uh, we actually had him on the right. Paceline interview. Now, that's the opposite end. The Astro kind of sits, I think, in between, Patrick, Oberland and Bespoke. Bespoke is like a six-room place. Very high end with a nice restaurant downstairs. They have a bike shop attached to the place. So um, that's a really, really swanky type place. Very nice, too. Um, but I'm kind of like Fatty, very utilitarian. Just don't discriminate me because I am a cyclist because I'm bringing a bike in. As long as they let me bring my bike into the room, I'm fine with that. I'm fine putting my bike in the room. You know, most of the times when I'm staying in hotel motels, it's because I'm signed up for an event or racing or something yeah. like that. So as long as they don't, like, say, get the bike out of here or no bikes allowed, I'm good with that. Like fatty, give me that breakfast. Um, you know, make it decent. It doesn't have to be great. Make sure there's some good cereals downstairs very early in the morning. It's basically all I need. Um, when I'm when, Again, this is for, for an event. If I'm out with Mrs. Hottie, things change. We usually look for a B- Airbnb or something like that. But when it's an event type thing, yeah. The utility, just give me Holiday and Express. I'm pretty good. About the rooms, again, I'm on board with Fatty there. Microwave, any type of heating element, a sink is great. Also, yeah. give me some room in the room. If it's all bed, if you walk in and there's like two queens and they're taking <laughs> up the whole room, that's usually a problem. I, can, I like to be able to spread out just a tiny bit, throw the clothes around a little bit, room for the bikes. And then thirdly, I would say Wi-Fi. Just some solid Wi-Fi so you can upload some pictures or record a pace line or whatever you need to do. So. <laughs> That's right. you got to be able to record those podcasts. We're all doing that. You know, one thing in addition to that, and I, I had Wi-Fi on my list and forgot to say that. Glad you did, Hottie, is water. I, you want to be able to fill up your water bottles, your Camelback, whatever you have, and frankly, some of the water, some of the water that you are able to get to is close to undrinkable. If your water in your town is not great for drinking, would it be so much to put a filter in there, mm-hmm. right? It just doesn't seem like so much. Well, I, I mean, most of the time I bring my own water just anticipating, you know, in some cities that it's just not going to be that great. But having a filter, some way to get easy, drinkable, non-sulfuric water, you know, Ooh. that's sweet. That's a nice thing. That's not ideal cycling vacation level stuff, but it would not be a bad thing. Very cool. <laughs> you know what's a lot Did of fun is RV into a complaint session. Make, make an RV trip no. out of a cycling trip. Really a lot of fun. I mean, that's uh, it's a little hard to pack the bikes and get them where you need to if, you know, if the RV doesn't have a rack, but bring your hotel with you. It's cool. I've considered right that. I might give it a try at some point. I have never done that. I've never taken an RV vacation, but that sounds good. All righty, guys. Okay. Hottie, we're going to move on to the Paceline Picks. And I'm actually, Patrick, I'm going mm. to. <laughs> actually, I have no idea what we're going to do next. I am going to do the pick first. What do you guys think of that? I'm, 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 I'm prepared. Changing, <laughs> changing things up. <laughs> My Paceline Pick is Snow Canyon State Park in St. George, Utah. It's a beautiful park with amazing scenery and some fantastic hikes, but that is not why Snow Canyon is my pick. See, guys, Snow Canyon is bisected by a road 
the may in fact be the most perfect four-mile stretch of pavement in the world. It's always been scenic, it's always been lightly traveled because it's a toll road with no through traffic, and it's always been a challenging 865-foot climb in that four miles with a wide-open yet curvy descent on the way back down. But recently it got new tarmac, and I'm not talking chip seal, I'm not talking concrete. It is four miles of smooth, no crack, no patch, brand new, perfect buttery tarmac that will bring tears to any roadie's eyes. Now, I mostly go to St. George for the mountain biking, and that will never change. But if you've got yourself a road bike and you're going to be in southern Utah, make the time to put together a ride that includes Snow Canyon, both directions, up and down. I promise you will, after taking that eight-mile ride, send me a personal thank you note. And that's my pick. Patrick, so, what do you have? Oh, go well, ahead. I know. I, I, no, hang on. Hang on. Ask I got to ask a question. Yeah. <laughs> like, what sort of average gradient are we talking about? I mean, I can do the math, but, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know about flat spots. You know, what's going up? How, what What are we talking here? Um. You know, I, I, I don't know the gradients offhand, but I can tell you my basic experience is the first three miles you can continue having a conversation. The last mile, it is pretty much just gutted out. It is a, it is a very hard final mile to the, to the, um, uh, the toll booth. Wow. And after that, you can continue. And there's, there's lots more good riding that it connects up to. But the descent, of course, the first mile is very fast and just, you know, hold on to your hat, although you can do the entire descent without ever touching your brakes um, because it where the steep part is also pretty open. Then it turns into a working descent, and I, I love working descent more than I love a fast just hold on to, you know, hold on to your pants uh, descent. Uh, I love being able to go into my biggest gear and pedal hard and see what I can do. Um, between wow. the two, it's just it's just amazing. And, you know, meanwhile, you're looking at scenery that looks like a Roadrunner cartoon. It's incredible. You got to do it. I, I will have to. <laughs> I will. I, I will. I will guarantee you a good time. I'll take you on that ride. Okay, okay Patrick, it's time yeah. for your pick. Thermal bib shorts, guys. Thermal bibs. I've long called bib shorts cut from thermal or Roubaix lycra the secret weapon. The thing is, they are versatile in a way that traditional tights or knickers just are not. You can wear them alone on days when the temperatures are just too cool for traditional bibs and no knee warmers. You can also add knee warmers for even cooler conditions. And if the weather warms up during your ride, what can you do? You can pull them off, unlike what's covering your lower leg with knickers. And it's the same deal with full leg warmers versus tights. One of my faves, though, is that on wet days, thermal bibs kill traditional bibs. And then you can combine them with Embro to keep your legs warm and not suffer the draining effects of cold water running down your legs. Unlike some of my picks, this one isn't brand specific. (laughs) Most of the apparel makers that you depend on for great cold weather gear offer a pair. We're talking Castelli. Giordana, Asos, and Pearl Izumi. They all offer them. And I'm sure there are others, but I've given great reviews to all of the aforementioned brands. The ones from Giordana, 
Pearl and Castelli all come with a treatment that makes them somewhat water resistant. And then for those who are looking for custom apparel, so you can have team kit in thermal bibs, Giordana and Panache both offer thermal bibs as part of their team kit offerings. So I don't care what you buy. I'm just advocating that you do your most nether of regions a favor and buy yourself a pair of thermal bibs this winter. You won't be sorry. Wow. You know, I have seen thermal bibs in catalogs, of course, and have never even considered buying them. Um, It's never even occurred to me that that might be nice, but you make a good case. Good pick. Hottie, you've got the final pick of the week's pace. And I will be brand specific. Bonk Breaker. Another shout out for Bonk Breaker. They put together a great event, the Tranquillo Ride, 85 miles. We chatted on the paved sections, punched it out on the dirt. Of course, we were well taken care of at the rest stops. Plenty of Bonk Breaker nutrition. We had company founder Chris Frank on back when the pace line first started. They were just launching a drink mix. And you know what? They haven't added many products since. In fact, they haven't added anything since. That's what I love about Bonk Breaker. They take their time. They're not in a rush just to add something for adding something. Simple, straightforward products. They have bars, chews, and drink. That's it. 9 to 12 ingredients per item and ingredients you will recognize. And if you want a bar that will knock your socks off, grab a salted caramel. Great flavor, and it's moist. So even when the mouth gets dry, you can get that thing down. Bonk breaker, my pace line pick, fatty. You know, before you said the salted caramel, I was going to append onto your pick that the salted caramel bonk breaker is my all-time favorite tasting bar. That is so good. Okay, plus two. It's unanimous. How often has that ever happened in the baseline? Okay, (laughs) three guys, one brand, and one flavor of one brand. Awesome. All right. Salted caramel is going to sell out all across the internet. (laughs) And I believe that that is the show, guys. One last reminder, find us on Apple Podcasts and take a moment to rate and review us. And hey, next time you're out on a bike, tell some of your riding buddies about us too. For Hottie and Patrick, I'm Fatty. Thanks for listening to episode 100 of the pace line contributing to the the pace line (laughs) like I do every week (laughs) 